Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Cherry. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your sound-only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle. I can't even say that this week, because here's the thing. I actually talked on a panel this past week. I talked to, they're not Zoomers, because what are people who are, um, you know, in a state of undergraduate education in 2023? Like, Zoomer had a cutoff point at some point, right? Like, when is that cutoff? Like, what are the people called now? They're not Zoomers. Zoomers are old now, right? Zoomers, Adventure Time? Are we saying Adventure Time is the cutoff? Like, uh, it's got to be, right? Stefan said Gen Z. That's just Zoomers. That's what Zoomers mean. That's the, <laughs> that's the scientific yeah, word that's... for Gen Z is Zoomer. Um, in place of the commonplace Super K, the, no, the um, it's I I'm not entirely sure what the like we would have to find the cultural shorthand for it because an exact point in time bloomers would be moving, changing, yeah, changeable. So I mean, like it's pro like I want to say it feels like you know Adventure Time. You know, I'm just thinking like live. I just picture Living Head, and I'm just kind of like. This place is an unacceptable condition. Like, I just think about that, you know, mainly. This is definitely, like, people are definitely listening to this and pulling their hair out because they probably have their own calcified opinions about this. But I'm sure that, like, the exact designation of it on this here podcast is not essential to the story that you're about to tell around Zoomers, so right. Like, well, you know, why don't you actually just describe the Zoomers you saw? Well, yeah. I, anyway, I talked to some Roblox niggas at the Savannah College of Art <laughs> and Design. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I was at 
<laughs> no, it was like this TV fest, and it was a, it was you know, shouts out to Tyler from Crunchyroll because we, Tyler had this really good panel idea. Um, it was like anime as prestige television, right? We and by the way, listeners, we go talk about Rihanna in a second. All right, actually, you know what? I'm I'm gonna talk about the anime stuff. Like, let's 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 start with Rihanna up front. We'll talk about the Bloomer Zoomers. Roblox, Adventure Time. We'll talk about that second, right? We need to address the Rihanna in the room, okay? Because Rihanna <laughs> has been a concern. I know that, like, I was talking to anime Zoomers, and they expect this to be a podcast about anime, and it's got the Evangelion cover art, and I explained the whole etymology of the title of this podcast. Just wait, just a few seconds. We need to talk about Rihanna. We need to talk about the Super Bowl. We need to talk about halftime. Need to pay the bills a little bit. We're gonna we talk pay about. The bills. We gotta, yeah, we okay. gotta. We gotta. Yeah, we're gonna. We're gonna talk about Rihanna for a second. Um, so there appears to be, and I'm gonna break out some ti words for this. A great deal of consternation <laughs> and uh, <laughs> frustration. Um, <clears throat> I did. I went to Jesse Jackson to say, despite saying ti either. Um, about yeah, her because half-time. your posture wasn't correct. You leaned yeah, forward to put your yeah. elbows on the table. That's you know, true. like as if you were you know, on crossfire instead of leaning <laughs> back in the seat with you hey. and, and putting your headphones at a precarious angle. Precarious. So, the way you said and, precarious is exactly it. Exactly. And you got to get the, yeah, come on. You got to settle into it. You know, it's yeah. okay. Consternation, consternation about <laughs> Rihanna Super Bowl halftime performance. Right. Um, and, and I, you know, I think the important context before we get into what the two of us thought about it, right, is, you know, the particular kind of annoying people decide, you know, people of, of, of my generation and younger have just decided that we all have to be about certain kinds of pop stars now, right? Like the certain kinds of annoying people let themselves get about Rihanna and the certain kinds of overdetermined uh, I don't want to make it seem like it's wrong to be excited to hear one of your favorite popular musicians perform music in a in a big venue. Like that's certainly reasonable, but I don't know. Like maybe if you're it forty feels and you you Let's know that Rihanna like... hasn't really been performing like that for six years, maybe maybe like relax your expectations just slightly. You know what I mean? And people talk themselves into the idea that this Rihanna halftime performance was going to be, she going to drop an album immediately after it. Rihanna's back. You know, like it, people for months talked themselves into the idea that this Rihanna halftime show was going to be a watershed moment in popular culture, right? Micah, was this Rihanna halftime show a watershed moment in popular culture? Um, no. <laughs> Hell no. Okay, <laughs> see, the thing is that I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. This is really a failure of anticipation and expectation placed upon each individual Rihanna new thing. The yeah. hint of a possible Rihanna new thing. R ten is it at this point? Which 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 uh which I, I forget which studio album is it is at this point because she has a large body of recorded work. Mm-hmm. Which is like why she can come out and kind of do a little Peloton class of her greatest hits on, uh, you know, like at the Super Bowl on the Super Bowl halftime stage, which, you know, 
I enjoyed the TikTok video, the fast TikTok video of the stage being constructed and struck down more than like I think I enjoyed the actual <laughs> that is the which I think is just me like getting older. I'm gonna be real, but like, I, like, like, let's be real. I'm pretty sure that there was a distinct moment where the sleeves were down and then the sleeves were rolled up, you know, and it mm-hmm. became like there was sort of a transition into I. This is my, I'm an arena rock god, not necessarily like, you know, a pop star. Yeah. I think, I can't remember which record it was. Oh, oh, uh, you know, I think it was Run This Town, which I think is, I think more about like NBA TNT, you know, cutting to commercial yeah. than I think about Rihanna at this point. Yeah. Which is evidenced by, you know, the large superhero shaped back backing band <laughs> within in black v-necks with uh like it's just like a live band for that record is very like uh finals promo like it's just like uh it's it's a thing that's kind of eaten its own tail at this point and i think there was like this like the snarling thing and the and the the way that the motions became like grander and wider like you know, I can just stand here and just rock this stage like, you know, whatever alternative you might have got out here, I guess would have been Aerosmith, which is just, you know, whoever mm. they fly in, in, in place of when we've decided that the thing is going to be too spicy. Um, it's just that I think I went online afterwards to see just like how, like what people were like, what were the immediate knee jerk reviews and the running blogs and the Guardian Live and the on so what were people saying on Twitter and this, that, and the other thing. And it was just like, there just wasn't a lot mm-hmm. um, except for, a, you know, of course, the pregnancy, which. <sighs> I'm not gonna like I'm it was, you know, like it's it's she's she's having her second kid. But let's not say that it was like the whole performance that is graded on a curve after that. You know it to be true. Like Yeah. And she like and I think that sort of like I was seeing the backlash to the backlash before the backlash even started or you know, like had gathered yeah. it or began to crest. Like yeah. People hadn't even said the shit was dry before. Like people were like, "She's pregnant. You have to." Like, no, I'm like, I'm no, I'm, I'm like, but I'm being, I'm yeah. trying to be straight here. Like, there is. Let's not kid ourselves. She was never a great vocalist. It's like there's. A sort of like a way that she is able to affect you emotionally through whatever contortions she's able to pull off within her limited vocal range. Like she's more of a performer. And the performance was eh, you know, like that's the thing. Here's the here's the thing about you're talking about she's a performer, she's not a singer, right? And it's like I remember, and think about it, we did two different episodes where I talk about Anti at length and my experience with that album. And it's like, you know, I think back in the day of Anti, I was like, some of these songs are frustrating because 
she's not a good vocalist and she's not being real with herself about the fact that that's not her strength. And then part of how I kind of came to terms with anti is, is by realizing like, you know what? She's not a great vocalist and that's okay. Like anti is sort of expressing something that just doesn't really have anything to do with that. And like at the end of the day, like Rihanna, people like Rihanna in the sense of like, Rihanna's really good at being a kind of karaoke artist who sort of like yes, performs yes. at a level that like you can access very easily, yes. especially if you you get a couple drinks in you. Now here's the problem, Micah. And problem- she's a savvy businessman as yeah, well. Yes. Like there was also the pro- like let's like you came for a new album and you got a product placement. Like she used yeah. the, the the concealer thing in the middle of the. It was you know quick enough not to break everything up, but also, you know, slow enough for everybody in the world to have noticed it and probably placed an order. Yeah. But Uh, here's the thing, like to the point about how people hype themselves up, the Black Panther thing, the sort of, again, people hyping this performance up in advance to be this big Rihanna. Oh, don't we all miss Rihanna, right? What people do what people do, this is where they fuck up, Micah, is people talk, like people trick themselves into talking about Rihanna like they're talking about Beyonce, right? They lose sight of the fact that, like, that, like, people trick they, themselves into talking about Beyonce. Beyonce, like, like she's about Beyonce. Sure. Yeah, but, like, that's no, me. But, but the I, difference is that at the end of the day, Beyonce can still do stuff like that marching band shit. Like, Beyonce does yes, have a yes. level of, if she if she's going to do a big like I've been withholding myself to build up the tension and build the hype for a comeback moment. Beyonce is the sort of person who does legitimately have the theater kid energy, frankly, to be to actually and just the to stamina, deliver right? on like a, that, to, to, deliver. to deliver on a premise, to yeah. deliver on a premise, on a specific premise. Yeah, like on a specific is, premise. Right. I that is that's absolutely true. And like, I cannot by rights imagine the person who was sitting in the theater after Black Panther 2 and finally got to hear the first Rihanna song they'd heard in seven years and it was that and was just kind of like oh my god yes I don't like it's it's it is abs and that is Oh, again, that is okay. Like, because I hardly expect that of anyone at this point. Like, it's just more so that, like, if it's supposed to be the, you know, the changing of the winds every time, and then it's just, you know, something that's fine, then we end up in this place every time, don't we? (laughs) For sure. But it's like people, I guess what I'm identifying is people lose sight of the fact that like Rihanna might be the girl with the A catalog, but she also the girl with the 2.8 GPA. You know what I mean? And so when people, it's not, it's not just about what she's pregnant. It's about, it's about the fact that like Rihanna is the kind of person, the kind of savvy businesswoman, also the kind of the, the, you know, she's the kind of person and artist who like, yeah, she probably did come to this halftime show with the sense of like, dog, I'm trying to live my life. Like, I'm doing all this Fenty stuff. Also, like, yeah, frankly, I yeah, care I more about having a kid have, than, yes, ha- than I playing have a the life. Super Bowl. You know, I have a life. Y'all should have a life. Why y'all watching this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, that, that's the only element of it I can respect is the sense of like, 
you, I, it really did, for better and worse, feel like you're watching somebody who, like, frankly, just had better shit going on than which, <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> that's, like, the best thing you could say about it. But even then, it's kind of like, there's so many little movements in that performance where you're like, I, I know I kept seeing blips of people being like, oh, you know, all the men criticizing her, like they couldn't even do a fraction of this. And it's just like, I get what you mean, but also there are little moments of that performance where I'm like, my mom could do that. Like, we, you know what I mean? Like, my mom could do that. Like, what's this little move she doing? My mom, my mom is like, how old is my mom? I'm not going to say. But like, yeah, I like, I think that there is, I just think that there's room for discussing this, you know, in a somewhat level-headed fashion. Yeah. It's not like, like, okay. I think that you remember, and not to continue comparing the two because it's two different things. You're going to these two artists for two separate experiences, for okay. two separate kinds of experiences. Yeah. You know, they're playing two different sports. The, like, but there's that one image of, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Beyonce. It was, maybe it was from the documentary. Uh, was, was, was it Coachella that she did pregnant or was it, um, but she was, but like, I remember they were like, they were doing, there was this large sort of rotating, stage and on top of that stage with a was a smaller oblong stage that was you know built on the hydraulics to you know prop up and just so and then on that was like a chair that you know tilted back and it was also on hydraulics and you know attached and bolted to the floor just so so that at this exact moment in this exact chorus like she could you know tilt back at the chair and I think that she was like, it was like an image of her being in the chair and also being pregnant. And it was just kind of like, this is the most, the theater kid thing that you're describing. The most extra thing that I can imagine is this. Like, and it was also like all of this talking about in that documentary, I remember just like a lot of the voiceovers about like just her being hungry, you know, like, but needing to have this image of, and it's, I think we talked at the time about like what we about like exactly how much you should want your artist to sacrifice for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that's again, that's just like not what you're gonna get, you know, out of like you're gonna get this, you know, the best thing that you're gonna get is a very good karaoke song. Yeah, I I think on if I can add something on top of that too, right? That I think is a sort of larger cultural thing that's that's happening with Rihanna and it's happening with pop music is like I think people are getting a little I feel this in the air maybe this is astrology maybe this is me you know maybe I'm talking out of my ass but like I feel people getting increasingly less patient with the kind of chip on shoulder defenses put up of what is ultimately a lot of like pop music when it really isn't doing as much as people sort of carry on as if it's doing. And I think that like Rihanna kind of chose a bad moment in the, in the larger culture to come out and just kind of like have a huge pop catalog, but otherwise just very proudly go up and do some old bullshit with backup dancers (laughs) that look like, look, look like FEMA, frankly, it like, 
them niggas look like FEMA, which is why it was so jarring. The point you're talking about when all of a sudden Run This Town had the backing band with the dude who looked like Black Thought. Because it was just like everything before that just looked like the CDC. It really did. Like, no, I, I mean, if you were to reach to the outermost bounds of the known universe, it didn't really feel <laughs> like, you know, sort of like the terminus of like poptimism. Yeah, like, that's what as I felt. An, yeah. As an acceptable like <laughs> form of it's just being like, yo, listen, because it's not like there are like um there are there is music being made like yeah. that uh accomplishes you know specific emotion in you know however many words or less over which whichever type of beat being made like now like it's a thing that's happening currently and this is not it like it's like that happened at a time and we can you know do it as a nostalgia thing but that's what it is it's not like it's bringing you know, new feelings or anything back or restoring anything. It's just kind of like, damn, I remember when I was at this club <laughs> or, you know, when I had too much of this thing or I, you know, said yes to this person. It's what it's like. And that's fine, too. It's just like that's that's what it is. Although I think one of those is, or I remember when I had slightly worse taste in music. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> for some people, at least. Uh, yeah. You know I, mean? I think, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think it's just fine to feel embarrassed. You know, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's totally fine to feel embarrassed. Um, and to accept that what that like what those dance moves are are a, it's a pregnant woman dancing, you yeah. know, not like you know somebody achieving the the foremost pinnacle like the pinnacle of the art form or whatever or pushing it into whatever new direction. It's something that is built to look visually pleasing while hopefully not expending too much energy because how could you when you're that pregnant? It's also like a pregnant woman who has a conference call later that evening. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's the other part of it. It's just like, and again, it's weird because I feel like the description, like how one would ideally describe what was going on with Rihanna at that halftime show. It's not just, it would be one thing if we were all just like, oh, she looked checked out. Uh, you know what I mean? That's not what we were saying. It's just, she did look like a pregnant woman who frank and also like an entrepreneur she just looked like this was like the fifth most important thing she has going on and that frankly is a kind of commitment where it's like man why did i commit to doing this like you know what i mean and to i think it's to your point of like expect more of your artists or like let yourself feel comfortable wanting like again it's the thing that i do think that is is sort of wild as beyonce discourse can get I, I, it is kind of cool that Beyonce really does lean into that musically a lot of the time, right? Leans into the idea of like, yeah, if if I get, she's always gonna if be I'm clamoring for the biggest stage. Two hundred fifty dollars a yeah. ticket. Yeah, it's just like it's. I gotta. I'm going to deliver. You know, it's, if my sister is going to see Beyonce in Paris, which she <laughs> is, I'm not <laughs> lying. I had a whole conversation with my sister about this. My sister is going to see Beyonce in Paris. Now imagine if my sister went. Flew to Paris to see Beyonce and she pulled the Rihanna at the halftime. Like, my sister would be distraught. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or she'd lie to herself about it. Like, right? Maybe, you know, 
I'm I'm sure that there's an element of having been there and seen it and, you know, with your own money experienced a thing that you have committed a a portion of your life to. But like at the same time, if you're as annoying as me, like you're going to have some qualms about it. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. But, you know, I think that that's that's that is genuinely all I've got. You know, I think we're going to start running circles on this in a minute. Okay. All right. End it. In end Rianse. Friendship ended with Rianse. Wow. Friendship ended with Rihanna. Upgrade your home now at Blinds.com's anniversary sale and celebrate savings up to 50% off premium window treatments for years to come. Shop 100% online for modern Roman and woven wood shades, shutters, motorized options, and more. Do the installation yourself or have Blinds.com handle it. Say cheers to Blinds.com's free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale now for up to 50% off. Save up to 50% at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Well, I was talking about top of this episode, Savannah College Art and Design. I went to a panel, Crunchyroll sort of, um, you know, Crunchyroll kind of led the the conversation. Uh, there's a few folks in the industry talking localization, talking anime fandom. And for my part on the panel, I was just talking about one, one thing that was useful, right? Because the panel, the title was like anime as a prestige TV medium, right? And the main thing I kind of brought to the panel other than trolling about how Dragon Ball Z, when I was a kid, almost put me off of anime entirely. Uh, and it took Sailor Moon for me to get really into anime. I was kind of talking about the anime bullshit thing that is a running concern of this podcast, right? And I was kind of talking about how, like, if you think about, um, like, what's the substance of that idea of anime bullshit, right? It's sort of the fact that, like, you can kind of take literally any premise, right? Like the joke I feel like I always think of is, you know, those manga with really specifically stupid titles that are like two sentences long. Like my sister is a dragon and she has to use the bathroom. And you know, it's like something like that. It's like those, those, it, like those premises where it's like, what the fuck is it? Like, what is this premise? Right. But anime is this place where you're like, you can kind of just run with it and see what happens, right? It almost has like the spirit of in- improv comedy sometimes, even when you're talking about like dead ass dramatic conceit for a show. Um, and I don't know, like, I feel like if I look at 
that in contrast with, um, I don't know, it's like the main, I guess, other point of comparison with anime would be video games, right? And that it's like video games is this thing where it's like, okay, more people are into it than ever before, but it's still kind of clamoring to be taken seriously in a particular way. But it's in that phase where like we have this Last of Us adaptation, right? And it's kind of like really internalized what it means to to make sort of like critically appealing gestures and to be taken seriously and to tell this very sort of like, you know, sentimental story about a dad and a girl and the apocalypse and shit like that. And it's like, I don't know. I, it's like this panel is just... I, I The panel got me thinking about like, yeah, like the thing that makes anime kind of 10 years behind video games in that regard is like anime is still in that space of like, most of it's super stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like one of the people on the panel that we were doing recommendations and one of them, one of the people on the panel is like recommending Vivi, which we did an episode about, mm, right? Yeah. And it, and it's like that song. Yeah. The and think about how that, that premise is. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. think about it. It's like an AI and it's like about music. And it's like. Really? When you're thinking about it, like if you think too hard about it, instead of getting swept along in it yeah. and, mm -hmm. and looking at and looking at how pretty it is, you really will be like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? What? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But that's the magic, right? And it's like, I feel, I, I kind of have this fear when I was talking about it on the panel. It's like, what if, what if every medium has a sweet spot? And and maybe, maybe the sweet spot, how long it lasts is different for different media, right? Maybe for film, it lasted longer than it will for video games, than it will for anime, yada, yada. But a sweet spot where it's like, you're just kind of, mature or developed enough that like you have a lot of different kinds of people finally so you're not you're not just a specific subculture where only one kind of person likes what you do right you have a you have like a diverse sort of variety of people interested in trying to make art in your medium right but it's before the point where all of the conventions of your medium become super formalized right and like, yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm I was trying to identify in that conversation. Right. It's like anime is definitely still short of that period where it's like you you have stuff like Shonen. Right. Like, I guess the rules of Shonen are pretty firm. Right. And like, well, trod. Yeah. I mean, like there's I think that we could say that. The overall arc of a Shonen if you've watched enough of it and have like what we would what we would call anime brain, like mm -hmm. by episode three, you can probably guess like how the twenty fourth episode is going to turn out, like based upon the characters that you've met. If you've you know if you've if you've encountered the threat already, mm -hmm. you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. based upon there being like very rigid, just things that you have to do in order to make the story work. Like uh, and to make it legible to the kind yeah, of yeah, and to make who, it legible yeah. to the kind of person you're trying to aim it towards, like, and even then that there's like change it changes, or like the conventions that you know I guess rise or come to the fore may change, uh, you know, like with time. For instance, like I was watching like Monster 
like is on Netflix now. Like we talked uh, about that in the panel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about Monster. Yeah, and that is such a slow burn. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's really it's like it's it's a great thing. It's a great show to watch. Period. Like, if you're just kind of like watching a psychological thriller, but you because of the way that it's drawn, it's a uh, because it's like you know originally Tezuka. And there's just sort of like a toy-like quality at all the character models. There's like maybe like a sort of like, I don't know. There's kind of like, it's got this sort of like confectionary dust on it where you expect it to give you what you want quickly. Mm -hmm. But like it takes four episodes for things, for anything to happen. Um, And I think that that may like put like, people off but that's exactly what should draw you in because it's like so confident in the story that it's telling um but yeah i think that maybe like i get what you're saying like if like the sweet spot in whatever medium where (laughs) where the nolan movie the nolan movie of the genre can be made (laughs) i guess uh like where there's people that have come along and they're just sort of like, well, I'm now the purist and I want to be making mm. it like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, um, I guess, I, I think I'm beginning to see more projects like that. I I don't know. I still feel like when I'm watching anime, like even if I am familiar, like you're saying with Shonen, right? If I am familiar with the, the conventions of a particular genre, like, so for instance, you mentioned Monster, right? And like on its face, uh, and I was like super recommending Monster to the people at this panel, right? And I was like, on its face, Monster is a thriller, right? Like if if you started, if if uh, actually ended the whole panel appearance with a rant against Guillermo del Toro because he was supposed to adapt it into live action like ten years ago for HBO, <laughs> and he never did it, and he thinks everyone's forgotten about it, but I promise you, I remember, I will always remember until. Guillermo del Toro gets off his ass and stops making stuff like the fish movie and finally makes his live action adaptation of monster. But right. It's like, you could easily imagine part of why I would like to see him do it is because it's like, that's one of those anime where you can, you can imagine the live action version of monster, right? Like, cause on paper, it's just a thriller. It's just a thriller with a crazy villain, right? Like Johan doing the bit where he just stares at Dr. Tenma, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, a, it's a sort of, like, character thriller, like, you could imagine 40 years ago would have been a Harrison Ford movie, right? With him just driving around and growling, right? Mm-hmm. In the rain. Um, but as an anime, right, there's something about it that, like, even though it's, quote, it's just, quote-unquote, just a thriller, right? Just a psychological thriller, I don't know. You watch it as anime and you sort of watch the the license, right? Like the creative license that it being anime instead of it being a live action thing gives it, right? And this is this is in the context of something like Monster, which is pretty realistic. It's like it's like like you, it's it's a it's an Urasawa thing, right? So it's pretty naturalistic, it's pretty adult, right? And even something like Monster when you watch it as an anime, right? you still feel like you're watching something you have never quite watched before, right? Even if you have, in terms of live action cinema or live action television, 
seen tons and tons of psychological thrillers. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's kind of what I guess I mean by the sweet spot, right? Is where your stuff still feels fresh, right? Although, I mean, Monster is kind of an old show at this point, but yeah, I don't know. That I guess that's just all I'm getting at, though, right? Where even you can be watching the 30th Shonen series you've seen in your entire life, and it's still in that sweet spot generationally where it's like, nah, this medium is still at its infancy. You know what I mean? Even if it is yeah, also okay. technically like 100 I, that years old. That does make sense. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, still sort of like in the space where you wonder whether the story would be better told in, you know, like it's native, me- a new story better in its native media would be better than an old story retold in a new one. Like, hmm. I don't know about that, but I guess to sort of link it to the video game point as well, right? It's sort of like, because the panel was about anime and sort of prestige TV and will anime ever sort of rise for some kinds of critics, right? To the level of how they talk about prestige TV, right? And I think we talked a lot about how you and I talked about Ava in the original days of this podcast, right? Like we wanted to talk about that show. We wanted to talk that show to death the way that people talk like live action American prestige TV to death, right? And we, we fucking did that, right? And to me, it's like, there's this kind of tension between if you look at either video games or anime, there's a way people have a chip on their shoulder about like, why don't more critics talk about it, you know, at length or seriously or in the New York Times, whatever they mean by it, right? Mm-hmm. And there are lots of complicated reasons that have to do with like, well, does your publication have editors who know how to edit that kind of coverage? Does it have enough writers to sustain that coverage? How often realistically do they have time to write about it? Right? Like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, hey, man, part of it is like acknowledging that there's a flip side, right? That like, it's kind of, you kind of have to cherish the sort of period of an art form where it's still like, not sort of critically belabored in like mainstream publication or mainstream concern because like there kind of is a sweet, I guess the sweet spot I'm describing really is something getting to still be a subculture. Right, like I, the the sweet spot with the anime mm. is that like it's bigger than ever, but it's still before it we, becomes the, it's a, before it fully becomes an assembly culture. Lot, culture, like, yeah, 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 and and yeah. that's like the growing pain. It's like it's like anime kind of does need to look ahead, right, to the thing immediately in front of it, which is video game culture, which is also still a subculture, but it's sort of closer to that point of being like. It's like that event horizon between being The Last of Us, the game versus being The Last of Us, the biggest show on TV, just Uh in the mainstream of culture. And it's like, I guess kind of what I found myself, the idea I found myself circling on that panel is like, hey, instead of trying to rush, it's like, you know how people tell you, like, don't rush to grow up. It's sort of how I feel about anime at this point It's like, don't you kind of don't want people to rush to that critical maturity or rush to that, you know, Citizen Kane of video games moment because then you're just going to look back and sort of, like, realize that you kind of didn't cherish the time when you had this thriving subculture that lots of people still didn't understand and that gave you kind of license to do a lot of weird, messy, unsuccessful shit. You know? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I think that's all I got about that panel. It was fun to do that panel. It was fun to talk to people 
talk to students after the fact, elaborate on my experience with Dragon Ball, things of that nature. Um, you <laughs> had one. Nature. Wait. Oh, speaking of anime bullshit, you had one thing you wanted to talk about. Uh, M. Night. Anime bullshit? That's oh, M. Night. I, M. Night I, is I mean, like, okay. Yeah. So I, I did see um, Knock at the Cabin. Unfortunately, I had watched the menu like earlier <laughs> that morning. I was in a weird mood, man. Like, but anyway, like, the menu was very good. Um, and Knock at the Cabin was not. I really should keep it that short. Like, you know, um, because it just straight up like I like I think my like the log line of it, like my my one my one tweet review of it would probably be like, you know, I think it's very stupid that the twist is that there is no twist and everything was as dumb as it seemed. Um But I yeah, I mean I, I think that also, like I had watched like Split like fairly again fairly recently. Yeah. And that is like yeah. that movie rips. Yeah, like, Split it is, Brother. <laughs> that movie like good. shreds. So I don't really understand like, you know, I do understand because it's like a movie built around a you know, oh, a surprisingly tender Dave Batista performance, and he can be a character actor too, versus like one of the best character actors ever in James McAvoy. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think that that's also like the thing, you know, um, but yeah. Wait, did you see the, what was the, uh, the old people one? Did you like that one? The old people one. The, oh, like, oh, like the one that's oh, literally yeah. called old? Oh. No, I didn't watch it. No, I haven't watched that <laughs> you one. Tell I don't know if people, people said that, like, yeah. <laughs> I call Did it you see the old people one? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, I didn't see it. Um, I should watch that one as well, though. People did say that one was pretty good. Like, and I don't really remember if, like, what I heard was that like it was ironically good like people were like ha ha I'm laughing at this in the same way that people used to watch like the AFI's worst 20 films uh -huh. you know like as a cultural curiosity sort of thing I can't remember exactly when M. Night Shyamalan lost it um, it was sometime feel, before now I but, feel like, like M. Night Shyamalan's like unprecedented incomparable achievement is like making it impossible for any individual person to decide whether they're supposed to be rooting for him or not. Like, I really, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, after Split, I thought I was. And now was I'm back like, to like, I don't know, inconclusive. Scannings are, you know, scannings are inconclusive, <laughs> you know? Like, I wish I could just sort of get to a place of like, nah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's just a moment in the movie where like, you know, uh, Co commercial airplanes just start dropping out of the sky into the ocean and onto the, you know, main av whatever, crashing into everything. And it's supposed to be some prophecy of God's fingers of flame touching the earth because blah, 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 blah. It's a four horsemen of the apocalypse thing. But then, I, like, I remember, like, sort of kind of, like, saying aloud to myself in the theater as I was watching it, I was just like, I'm pretty sure that I saw this before, and it was bodies that was dropping to the pavement. It was 
better then? Like, was, didn't that happen like in the happening? Like, was was that also? Oh, I I don't like, even remember the happening that well. Jesus Christ, it's been so yeah, long. like, and I because it's just like I think that the sequence of like it it being like mostly it's a one setting movie and like the sequence well mostly one setting with the exception of flashbacks and there's like a sequence of like news updates of uh extinction level events happening across the world and it's just like so poor it's just like it seems so aggressively i can't I can't even adequately describe it. I can just tell you another time that I felt the feeling and it was like seeing like fake CNN on like the Hoverjet TV in the in the first Black Panther movie. Where oh, it was no. just like Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, sort of like this I is do. so ass. Like this is such a <laughs> like why would you not like have an attention to detail about Make it this look, yeah, part of the yeah. movie? Yeah, like yeah. But then it was just kind of like, I was just like, yeah, I think I remember when this used to be more metal, like, is yeah. is what I was feeling most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no one can fault you at this point. Um, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to lie to people this time. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to go rewatch Monster or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, love yourself, uh, live your life. Um, <clears throat> listeners, before I do the thing, well, first of all, I mean, listeners, email us soundonlypod at gmail.com. I will warn listeners that I, I recently, I don't remember if I mentioned this, I played finally Persona 3 because it got like ported to stuff. I didn't really like that game that much, man. Like, if y'all like Persona 3, email me. Like I said, soundonlypod at gmail.com. I'm now replaying Persona 5 Royal. Fire, as always. Third time I'm replaying it. No one who's responsible for my time management life, please don't email me. Um, I don't like Persona 3 that much. <laughs> I can if so, literally if any Just, by the way, the people who listen to this podcast who act who like write in in response to like you're the more, at the mouth. You know what I mean? It's like the people <laughs> who actually write in, they're like, oh, I'll write, I'll write, you know, uh my thoughts. Like, I will write you back. And I will probably write you back with an email longer than the email that you sent me. So I'm serious when I say if you have strong thoughts about Persona 3 or M. Night Shyamalan or Rihanna or Beyonce. If you have opinions about what you think the best Ralph Fiennes movie is, I think that you it's should Ray be It's Ray Fiennes. You always go to like Joe Buttons or Joe Biden's. I do Listen, <laughs> I get to be a nigga from South Louisiana sometimes, I know, man. I know. Ray Fines. But yes. what if he listens to this podcast like really, and he just heated as fuck and he ain't going to Then I mean us. like if he if like if 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 he listens to this podcast and he's heated as fuck, I would probably be one of the people he killed at dinner for doing that exact thing. But Damn. like I was uh I would probably just be like, hey, listen, man, before you do all that and turn me into a s'more, I gotta tell you the story about like what my mom said. About how she hates you. (laughs) 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 But, 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 but it ends up in a good place because it's about a character that you played so well that she hates you in real life. (laughs) You know, it's all about his acting. He's he's an actor. He acts. (laughs) 
Uh, any thoughts? So, listeners, if you have any thoughts about the constant gardener <laughs> or Voldemort, <laughs> or the English the patient, or <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just please do share or, or the Grand Budapest or M, M in the Craig movies, oh, or etc. 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 Email us. Is so simple. <laughs> email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. I, that's, every, I, that's everything we got. Again, especially email me about Rihanna because I'm not wrong. Um, I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Michael Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>